Let us now turn to our text as we find it in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. In the passage of God's Word, we know as the Sermon on the Mount, words of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us read together Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, where we find our text this morning. And God's word reads as follows, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So far, our text this morning, may God bless his word to our hearts. After the proclamation of God's word, let us respond in song from singing from hymn 46, all stanzas of hymn 46. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, a question that every Christian has to think about, every church has to think about, we have to think about is how are we to relate to the world, to the city of Edmonton, or the communities that surround it, Devon, Spruce Grove, Stony Plain, Leduc, and others. How do we relate to the province of Alberta, to the country of Canada, to all the nations of the earth? How are we to relate to society, especially when we see society going further and further away from what we have known, even in our own lifetimes, to be a direction that was far healthier than it seems to be right now? Well, the danger is that we might feel discouraged as we see wickedness, and evil treated as normal and acceptable. And as a result, there's a temptation that we embrace a a pessimistic attitude, that this world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's all a downhill slide. There's nothing we can do to prevent it or, or, or slow it down. Just stand back and watch it all unfold and, and blow up. This then leads to the same result as was seen in the Middle Ages long ago with the monks retreating into monasteries, all in the attempt to remain untouched and unstained by the world in the safety of their own little enclaves. Thankfully, that attitude of disengagement is is not taken by all and everyone, for there are many who who take these matters deeply to heart. They ask the question, how how instead should we relate to the world? 
Should we engage the culture as warriors taking battle against it? When we say, this is bad, this is evil. And so we get in the fight. We become politicians, educators, and the like, so that we can overturn everything that is going wrong. That attitude towards culture exists among many Christians today. Or should we see ourselves in relation to culture as servants, not warriors, but servants, addressing the problems and the needs that are out there with the resources that we have? Now, there are aspects of both approaches that are deeply commendable, positive. But the question is, what does it look like at ground level? What does it look like at ground level to live effectively as a disciple of Jesus Christ in a world that is broken? How should we see ourselves individually and as a church? What posture should we take? What attitudes must we have? These are the questions that our Lord Jesus answers for us in our text this morning. And so I preach this word of God to you under the following theme. Jesus calls us to be a salty, shining influence in this world. Firstly, for the benefit of the world. Secondly, for the glory of the Father. What we can see, first of all, is that when Christ employed the metaphors of salt and light, he was saying something very profound not only about the nature of his followers, but also about the nature of the world in which we live. He's saying that this world in which we live is characterized by darkness and decay. For we must understand that in the ancient world, salt, the first metaphor, was not, was not just used for an extra bit of, of flavoring, for your food, something that you'd have to cut back on if you had high blood pressure. The primary function of salt was to preserve from decay. In that day and age, long ago, before freezers and refrigerators had been invented, salt was absolutely necessary to keep your food, your meat especially, from spoiling, rotting, going bad. Salt was also used for cleansing, not only for preservation, but also for cleansing in the sense that it was an antiseptic, uh, disinfectant. As the saying goes, putting salt in the wound, you know the expression, it wasn't pleasant, but it was effective. It was used in this positive purpose of cleansing as well. Salt was, in fact, so vital for life in the ancient world that it was actually, it actually became a form of currency. It was a commonly traded product. In fact, you might be interested, perhaps you already know, that the word we have for salary has its roots in the word salt, the first three letters, S-A-L. Just like salt, saline, show us the similarity The reason that salary has its roots in the word salt is because at certain times in the ancient world, 
that uh, it happened that soldiers were paid in salt. That was their salary. That is then where the expression comes from that a man is worth his salt or not. So salt was not just a nice extra, something meant to supply a little more taste to your food, making it more delectable, more savory. It was a vital, necessary commodity that was needed to preserve from rot, decay, and disease. And therefore, it was a highly valued product in contrast to today's relatively cheap price that one pays for salt in, in today's economy. So salt assumes a world of decay. Light assumes a world of darkness. And light is a powerful and common image in the Bible, often symbolizing truth and righteousness, two things that are intricately connected to the character of God, who is often compared to what? Light. Because all that he does is right and true and good. Now what we see then is that Jesus understood what kind of world we live in. A world of sin. A world of misery. A world of evil and immorality. A world of adultery and lies and murder and brokenness all around us. A world that even though it thinks of itself as enlightened and advancing and progressing and improving on our own, is really a world in need of salt and light. And the tremendous thing is that by his grace, Jesus says that we are that salt and light. Now that's a pretty stunning picture of us. At least I think that's a pretty stunning picture of myself and I think you will feel the same way. That this world characterized by darkness and decay needs me and needs you. And that's what our Lord Jesus is saying here. And, and in saying so, he's saying two things. First of all, that you are needed. You are needed. If you had told a family in the ancient world that you would be taking their salt and their light away from them, there would be a pretty good chance that you wouldn't be very well received by them. For without salt, their meat would quickly perish. And infections could, could overtake them within a short time. And they could even die. And without light, they would be vulnerable in their dark surroundings. And so to live without salt and without light would have been a terribly undesirable experience. Just as you needed salt and light, so the disciples of Christ are needed by the world and the second thing that Christ is saying is that just as salt and light can be effective in, in small amounts or portions, so too you can be an effective instrument for God even in small ways. Now we must believe this. Even if the majority of the people are not Christian, even if Christians are, are in the minority, 
they can still be a good influence on society. They don't need to be in positions of power or rule or in government in order to be effective. It can happen on as great a scale right in our own neighborhoods with the people we we rub shoulders with on any given day. For think about the last meal that you had where salt was on the table. Perhaps it was breakfast this morning. Maybe salt for your eggs and toast and what have you. Chances are that you did not have a portion of salt that was equal to your meal portion. It was probably far less salt. A, a sprinkling on top of your meal. A minority, yet effective. And Jesus, you'll note, also uses the imagery of a lamp in our text. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Well, this picture of a lamp was was a very simple, common, everyday thing. It's nothing extraordinary, nothing spectacular. It's not stadium lighting. It's just an ordinary household lamp. Probably not all that big. Probably made out of clay. Having a, a space uh, for, for oil to be put inside of it, which you would, which you would light in order to create a, a flame. And voila, you'd have light. Probably not much greater than the light of a candle. Jesus says that you put that lamp up on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. Well, as you know, in a pitch black setting, in a pitch black room, it doesn't take much light to make a huge difference. Just the lighting of a single match can do much. It's something small, ordinary, unspectacular. Even just one lamp can light up a whole room. Well, you see then, brothers and sisters, what we are getting at is that we are not called to be in the majority. We are not called to be spectacular or to be somehow stellar in our own achievements and our own accomplishments. Christ is calling us to be different in ordinary ways, in small ways, in ways that may seem insignificant, yet they are sufficient. They're different in such a way that the distinctions between us and, and those around us become clear, become noticeable, so that others see that, that Christ is living in us. That what he accomplished is far greater than anything we could ever did accomplish or ever could accomplish. And that's really the key, brothers and sisters, for how do Christians become salty? Is it, become, is it by becoming really good? No. Christians become salty when our nature is transformed by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And when our nature is transformed by the grace of God, 
then we are no longer as we once were, but we are made new, new creatures, made different from our unbelieving neighbors. For we are in Christ, they are not. We are cleansed by forgiveness and clothed with a righteousness not our own. And that makes us different right down to the core. Consider further how are Christians the light of the world? Are we light because we are so brilliant, so eloquent, so, so well-versed at speaking, so inherently holy that the way we live just shines righteousness to those around us? Of course not. None of us can say, I am the light of the world without people rightfully looking at us and, and wondering if we have lost our minds. But who can say that? Jesus, in John 8, verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then interestingly, in the next chapter of John, John 9, verse 5, Christ says these words, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Why say those words there, while I am in the world, except to say, I won't be in the world forever? For is Jesus still the light of the world today? In a sense, no, because he is not here. He's in heaven. Who then is the light now? You are. I am. Still his light, but reflected by us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul writes in Colossians 1, verse 27. That's the salt and the light that this world desperately needs, which we are called to show. That brings us now to our second point, seeing how our influence in this world is for the glory of the Father. Christ said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. You can say then, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that Christ is like the sun, the source of light, and we are like the moon, reflecting that light. For consider what the moon is on its own. It's just a, a dry, lifeless rock. There's nothing spectacular about being up there on the moon. I, I think getting up there would be great, would be cool. And the view would be something to savor. It would be, it'd be great for, for a little while, but perhaps after an hour or two up there on the moon, collecting a, a few pockets full of moon rocks, you might start getting bored, wondering, what, what do I do up here? thinking it would be better to go back down to earth where there's just more to do. But though the moon may not be special in and of itself, when it reflects the glory of the sunlight, it brings light to a world of darkness. 
And that's how it is with us. So how do we do that? How do we bring a salty influence to those around us? How do we become a glowing light in a dark world? Well, this is where we must consider a few more aspects of Christ's analogy. Our text speaks of salt becoming no longer good for anything, useless, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now, as Canadians, we might misunderstand that because we'd think that, you know, we'd say that in most of our country, putting salt, applying it on the roads is a useful application of salt, and that may be true, but that's beside the point. Christ's point was that salt can become useless in terms of its original purpose. And there are two ways in which this can happen. First, if salt lacks or loses its saltiness. And second, if the salt stays in the salt shaker or in the salt package and is never applied to anything. In the first instance, salt can become saltless. Salt often came from salt mines, and in the process of extracting it from the earth, there was always the risk that it could be corrupted and contaminated and mixed together with dirt and other minerals, thereby forming a a low-grade salt, impure salt. You lower the grade low enough and all you have left is pure dirt. Well, sadly, there are some people who profess to be Christians whose hearts and whose lives have not been transformed by God's grace. They're, they're no different from the next person. They're more dirt than salt. And the only way they can become salty is to know Christ in in true terms, to understand what he has done for us in the gospel. For it is Christ who makes us salty. Then in the second place, even the best, finest, purest, highest grade salt in the world, call it reformed salt, if you will, even that lovely stuff can lose its effect if, if you just stick it on the shelf and, and it doesn't do anything, never is applied to anything. What good will it do that way? And sadly, that's where many of us, if we're honest, live our lives. We're too busy to be really engaged in reaching the world, in reaching our neighbors with the gospel. We don't rub off on on unbelievers because we don't really get out there and, and seek those opportunities. Salt has to get out there. In this regard, Jesus prayed for his followers, including for you, Remarkably enough, in John 17, what we read from earlier, boys and girls, did you know that that Christ prayed for you? He prayed that we would be in the world, but not of the world. 
He prayed that God would, would protect us from the world, that he would guard us, but not take us out of the world and remove us from the world. And it's the same idea that Jesus teaches concerning the light. Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket or, or a bowl. That would be the most absurd thing that, that anyone could, could imagine in the ancient world. You're burning up good oil for what? To, to light up the inside of a bowl? Nobody in their right mind would, would use waste perfectly good oil to light up the inside of a basket, but they put it on a stand that it gives light to the whole house. And so we are to be in the world, but not of the world. If we are living as those who are of the world, then we have lost our saltiness, you see. But if we are not in the world, then we're the light hidden under a, a basket. Can't get out. Salt sitting up on a shelf. And the strange thing is that as Christians, we often retreat from the world and then from the safety of our own little Christian bubble, we act just like the world. Don't we see that so often? Why? Why is that? Why does that happen? Well, because worldliness does not just exist out in the environment around us, but it exists in us, in our own hearts. But the Bible teaches us to be in the world, but not of the world. But what, what, what does that look like? Well, it looks like Christ himself. Christ himself was separate from sinners, and yet he was a friend of sinners. Hebrews 7 verse 26 says of him, as such a high priest, he meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Jesus was never once stained by sin. He never lied. He never lusted. He never committed any kind of wrongdoing in thought, word, or deed. In that sense, he was separate from sinners. And yet, who did he come into this world to save? He told us he came to save sinners. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Christ came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He came to sinners in order to save them, to be the ultimate expression of salt and light in this world. And he calls us to have that same kind of influence by pointing others to him as well. For you notice what he actually says in the text this morning. He says not, I want you to be the salt. He doesn't command us to be the salt. He says, you are the salt. You are the light. 
if you are a true Christian by virtue of your union with God through faith in Jesus Christ, you are a factor in this world to stand against the moral decline of society. And you show this by living according to God's revelation, God's word, God's rules, God's law, God's priorities to do what God wants you to do rather than what you want to do, to love what God loves and to value what he values and to demonstrate that in how you spend your time, your money, the way you raise your children so as to be distinct from those around us, to live holy lives by the way that we live, by the way that we speak, by the way that we think, we are the salt and the light that will have a good effect in this world. This comes down to every choice we make in life. What to do, who to date, what career to pursue, what sacrifices you're willing to make. In everything, we must order our values and priorities according to the values and priorities of Jesus Christ. We must demonstrate that we are citizens of another kingdom, a better kingdom, a kingdom that is much more to offer than anything this world can offer. This is what it means to live as the salt of the earth and, and the light of the world that in relationship with others in this world, we will be doing works of service, showing kindness, speaking the truth in love, loving as we have been loved, even if we are hated, even if we are treated with hostility in return, Christ reminds his followers that they hated me first. The text says we are to live this way before others, not behind closed doors. And that, that may be a frightening task. It's an impossible task. And yet it is both a wonderful and glorious task. You have been given the task to represent Christ in this world. He has called you to give others a, a glimpse of, of what it is like to have him in our lives so that others may see and hear from us what it is like to live in, in true dependence and trust and devotion to God. And he equips us to do that through his spirit whom he has poured out upon us. And so, do you show that? Do you show that you are salt and light? Our purpose in life, not to be mistaken, is not to commend ourselves, but to commend him. Not to have others look at us, but to point them to him so that the world is not attracted to us, per se, but to be attracted to him. 
That's what ought to be attractive about us. But in order to live this way, to live up to this high calling that Christ lays out for us in our text, we must realize and we must pray that God will do this work in us. And that's why ultimately he deserves and shall receive all the praise and all the glory forever and ever. Amen.